Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Philippians chapter number three is where we're going to be uh, this morning. Philippians chapter number three. And uh, I'm excited to be in God's house this morning, aren't you? And uh, out of the rain, um, we can stay dry in here. So uh, that's a wonderful thing. But Philippians chapter number three is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, as I was studying this message, I I was really convicted uh, by this passage of scripture. Um, and, and really the, one of the, the first point of this message we'll see here in just a moment is to follow Christ. And as I was driving into church this morning, I uh, pulled up behind a car at a red light and I've never seen this bumper sticker before, but this bumper sticker was hitting me right in the face. And it said, I hope you follow Jesus this close. And, uh, as I saw that it, it was even more convicting and, and, uh, just the Lord is really working on my heart. Uh, about this aspect of following Christ and uh, just being faithful to him until he comes. And so Philippians chapter number three is where we're going to be this morning. And if you would look at it, at it with me, verse starting in verse number 17. The Bible says this, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have uh, us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, for whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to preach on this subject, until he comes, until he comes. You know where to be looking for the Savior? until he comes. And so let's uh, really focus in and ask God to speak to our hearts this morning on this rainy Sunday morning uh, today. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We're so thankful for you. God, we're thankful for a place that we can come and worship you. Lord, where we can sing, Lord, songs about, uh, Lord, how we are yours and you're our good father. And Father, day by day, you are with us and And you'll hold us fast, Lord, even in the storms of life. Lord, we're thankful that we can come and and study your word. We're thankful that we can come and and really be convicted. Lord, we can come and, 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 Father, be drawn closer to you. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would convict us where we need that conviction and encourage us where we need encouragement this morning. Father, help us as we look at this passage of scripture that until you come, Lord, there's some things that we need to be doing. Father, I pray that you would be with me this morning and give me the words to say and just the compassion to preach your word this morning. And it's in your holy and your precious and wonderful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We find here in verse number, uh, verse number, um, Verse, I, I can't see, I can't find out where it is. But we find here, it's very strange that in that a letter that is filled with joy, the book of Philippians is a letter that is filled with joy that we find Paul weeping here. 
Is he weeping over himself and his difficult situation? No, that's not the case. He's, he's learned that whatever state he finds himself in, therewith he'll be content. Is he weeping because of what some of the Roman Christians are doing to him? No, he is determined not to allow people to rob him of his joy. We find that these tears, the reason why he is weeping, are not for himself at all. These tears that, he are, that he's shedding is for others. Because Paul is heartbroken over the way that some professed Christians are living their lives. They are people who are minding after earthly things. And he's heartbroken over it. He's weeping. That, that, that verb there is, is agonizing. He's, he's torn up about it. Many commentators believe that Philippians 3 verses 18 and 19 describe the Judaizers and their followers. So certainly we find here Paul is writing about professed Christians and not people outside of the church. That's who he's addressing here. And Paul encourages the believers to look for the Savior, he says. He says, look for the Savior, because it is the anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ that motivates the believer with the spiritual mind. Listen, church. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ should motivate us to serving Jesus Christ here on this earth. It should be a motivating factor in our lives. There's a tremendous energy in the present power of a future hope. I like that. There's a tremendous energy in the present power of a future hope. Hope. Listen, because Abraham looked uh, for a city, he was content to live in a tent. Because Moses looked for the rewards of heaven, he was willing to forsake the treasures of the earth. Because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. And the fact that Jesus Christ is returning is a powerful motive for dedicated living and devoted service to him today. You see, Paul tries to encourage these believers in Philippi that this world is not their home. And until their Savior comes, they need to live lives like they're citizens of heaven. And church, let me say that this morning, that until he comes, we need to be living this life here on this earth as citizens of heaven. And so we find here in point number one, we find that until he comes, we must follow Christ. Until he comes, we must follow Christ. Christ. And as I think of that bumper sticker, I, I thought to myself, how am I following Christ like I should? Listen, until he comes, we should be following him like we should. In verse number 17, the Bible says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul is challenging the Philippians to pursue Christ's likeness by telling them to follow his example. Paul's not being arrogant here. That's not, that's not what he's trying to do. Why, how do we know that? Because in, in, in verse number 12 of this same chapter, he says, I hadn't attained. He knew that he wasn't perfect. He knew that he had work to do. He said in Ephesians 3.8 that he was less than the least of all the saints. Paul was a humble man. He's not trying to be arrogant here, but Paul was focused on being like Christ. Paul was focused on following him. It was his desire to please Christ as a citizen of heaven. And therefore, Paul is encouraging these believers at Philippi 
to do the exact same. He's urging them to follow Christ in this life here on this earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number one, Paul said this, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. We find that the verb be in that verse in 1 Corinthians means also becoming. It's a command in the present imperative. In other words, Paul is calling for this to be our lifestyle. Following Christ is to be our lifestyle. It should be our habitual practice to walk daily and live like Paul lived. The key in this verse is the little phrase, even as, even as, which tells us that Paul, whose life was not perfect, was imitating the life of the one who was perfect. And he says, listen, I'm encouraging you believers that we, as we, as we remain here on this earth, we are not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven and we must be looking for Christ, following him. The only way to obey this command to follow Christ is by faith. The only way to obey this command is to do it by faith. And faith is manifest by denying self-reliance and relying wholly on the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we are to live by faith. That's how we are to follow Christ by faith, self-denying, and then following Christ. The Bible says in Luke chapter number nine, he's addressing those who were following him. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus is very careful, carefully instructing those who, would, who desired to be his disciples. They were following him. But he, he explains the cost of following him. And the half-hearted people who were there were not willing to make the commitment and they didn't respond to the call. Because following Christ requires self-sacrifice. Church, following Christ requires self-sacrifice. That's why it's often uh, we don't follow him like we should. Because we're not willing to sacrifice things in our life. We're not willing to sacrifice time. We're not willing to sacrifice money and finances. We're not willing to sacrifice even relationships. When the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez landed at Veracruz, Mexico in 1519, he was so committed to his conquest. And to show his commitment to his men, Cortez set fire to his fleet of 11 ships. With no means of retreat, Cortez's army had only one direction to move, and that was into the Mexican interior. You see, Cortez understood the price of commitment, and he paid it. And church, sometimes it's going to take, following Christ is going to take us burning some ships in our life. Some things that we're holding on to, we have to burn those ships and say, God, I am willing to move forward for you and only for you. Because as before you come and until you come, I am a citizen of heaven. And I need to follow you. So my question is this morning is what ships in your life need to be burned? What ships in your life need to be burned in order for you to truly follow Christ with your life as a citizen of heaven? Until he comes, Paul encourages us here to follow Christ, but also until he comes, don't mind earthly things. Don't mind earthly things. 
This one's hard for us. The Bible says in verse number 18, he says this, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Paul explains at first, hey, this is who you need to follow, those who are following Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse number 18, this is who you don't follow. Those whose God is their belly, those who mind after earthly things. Paul now explains uh, here, uh, listen, he's speaking, who's he speaking of? He's speaking of the religious group of Judaizers, those who profess Christ, those who profess to be followers of Christ. But they're not living as citizens of heaven. And Paul's upset. He's, He's weeping as he tells them, once again, not to model their lives after people who focus on earthly things. He says, why? Because they are the enemy of the cross. Wow. They are the enemy of the cross or the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, these tears that Paul is crying is not for himself. He's heartbroken for the people that he sees who are living their lives for the material things of this earth who are living their lives as citizens of this earth instead of living for eternity. Church, just look at Christians today. And and if you really search and you really look, even look at your own heart, it really is sad. It can bring us to the point of weeping that many Christians today are just living our lives for here and for now. We have no eternal focus. We are living, minding earthly things. You see, by the way that these people were living their lives, they were hurting the spread of the gospel. Their lifestyles were hurting the name of Christ. That word walk means a way someone conducts themselves. See, Paul, his delight was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel was the center of his life. It was the pattern of his life. It overshadowed his life. It was the goal of his life. And listen, that is the place that the gospel of Jesus Christ should have in the life of every child of God. Because listen, when the gospel is that close to us and we realize and we live with that in mind that he has done so much for us, it will cause us to live for him. It will cause us to live for eternity. Our text is especially warning to those a warning to those who profess to be Christians, but who really are living as citizens of this earth. People who are living for self and people who are living for pleasure with no view to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No urgency to tell others about Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 19. He said, whose end is destruction. As you study that word destruction, it is a Greek word, apolia which means wasteful, waste. And I feel like a lot of Christians today are wasting their spiritual lives. They're wasting their lives here on this earth because we're trying to gain the whole world instead of serving and living for eternity. He said, whose end is destruction? Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. 
It's those who, who worship their own appetites. Romans 16, 18 says, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Understand, church, listen, we are to be living until he comes, not minding earthly things. Not living for our own appetites and for our own pleasures and for our own desires. It requires self-sacrifice. He goes on to say in verse number 19, whose glory is in their shame. They glory, they brag in the things which they really should be ashamed of. Sin in their life. He goes on to say, who mind earthly things. That is, whose hearts are set on the things of this earth. Or who live to obtain those things. Their attention is directed to honor. Their attention is directed to gain or pleasure. And they can't stop thinking of those things until they have obtained those objects. That's what he means by minding earthly things. What consumes your heart? Is it earthly things? What takes the place of your heart? Or are we living for eternity? This is mentioned as one of the characteristics, listen, of enmity to the cross of Christ. That's scary to me. I hope it is to you. Enmity to the cross of Christ. And if this is true, how many are there in the church now who are the real enemies of the cross? How many professing Christians are there who live for worldly things? How many who live only to acquire wealth, only to acquire uh, or gain honor or to enjoy the pleasures of this world? How many are there who have no interest in a prayer meeting? No interest in in Sunday school, no interest in discipleship, no interest in spiritual conversation or in the advancement of the kingdom of God. These are enemies of the cross, the Bible says. Not so much those who deny the gospel as it is those who oppose its influence on their hearts and in their lives. It's not so much those who live to bash Christianity as it is professing Christians who mind earthly things. That is enmity to the cross. Let me say this. If we are pursuing earthly things, if we're pursuing earthly things, trying to find joy, trying to find happiness in those things, it we will be let down. You hear me, church? We will be let down. If we try to find joy In the things of this earth, we will be depressed. We will be upset. We will hurt our testimony with the lost world. But if we set our minds on eternal things as citizens of heaven, we will have joy when everything on this earth isn't perfect, when things aren't going our way, because we are citizens of heaven where Jesus is king, where Jesus is on his throne, where Jesus has already won the victory for us. And one day Jesus will come to bring us home. Paul is saying, this shouldn't be those that you follow after. Until Jesus Christ returns, do not mind earthly things. Paul's not saying, don't take care of your family. Paul's not saying, don't work. 
for a nice house and a nice car. Paul's not saying those things, but he's saying, do not become consumed with the things of this earth because you are a citizen of heaven. Until he comes, we must follow Christ. Until he comes, we cannot mind earthly things. And until he comes, we must focus on eternity. We must focus on eternity. Look at verse number 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things for our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the savior, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You see, Paul is explaining why we need to be alert to those who are the enemies of, cross, uh, of the cross. Their focus is on earthly things. And the believer's focus should be on eternal things. We just talked about in Colossians chapter number three, the Bible says this, if ye thee then be risen with Christ. Is that you this morning? If ye thee then be risen with Christ. If that's who you are, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so Paul presents the truth about our position in Jesus Christ, explaining that our citizenship resides not in this world, which is passing away, but in heaven that will remain forever and ever. Listen, this is wonderful. A wonderful truth should serve to motivate all believers to live lives which accurately reflect our privileged heavenly position. You see, believers are citizens of a kingdom, not of this world. Amen? We are citizens of a kingdom, not of this world. The Bible says in John 18, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Let me say this, church. Your perspective will determine your priorities. Your perspective will determine your priorities. And verse number 18 and verse number 19 gives us several truths that will change our perspective so that we can stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ as citizens of heaven. Let me give you those real quick. The first perspective is this, our home is in heaven. Amen? Our home is in heaven. We are citizens of another place. Have the right perspective. Not only that, but Jesus is coming again. And because he's coming again, we need to eagerly wait for him. Have you ever had anybody come over to your house and your house wasn't ready? That's a bad thing, right? That's a scary thing. We don't like that. And you know, Jesus is coming one day and he's gonna come as a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming, but will you be found faithful? Will you be following him or will you be minding earthly things? The other perspective is that everything will be made right. He says, we will be given a glorified body. All things will be brought under his order and we will be transformed 
you know the best is yet to come? We struggle here on this earth. This earth is tough. This earth has trials. This earth has tribulations, but it will be so much worth it in the end. Because the best is yet to come. After giving these examples of what we have as citizens of heaven, he tells us in verse or chapter number four, look at it, verse number one. Therefore, therefore, because of who we are in Christ, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So the, from the context of this passage, why would they need to stand firm? Because Paul has just expressed some professing Christians in their midst who were enemies of the cross of Christ and who were living solely to please self and not the Savior. And he countered this wrong thinking, reminding them of the truth concerning their glorious future. He says here, listen, stand firm in the power and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is now our life. Listen, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he is your life. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. Church, listen, we are citizens of heaven and we should live our lives here on this earth, not minding the things of the earth, but standing fast in Jesus Christ as citizens of heaven. Paul is weeping here. Church, do you care? Do you care where your citizenship is? Do you care where your conversation is? It's in heaven. I hope you care about that. I hope that means something to you. Because it meant something to Paul. And he saw some people who were living for this earth, minding the things of this earth, of this world, and he wept because of it. Does it matter that much to you that you're a citizen of heaven? Because listen, the treasures that we store up here on this earth, they will all stay behind when we leave this life. But the treasures that we store up in heaven will have for all of eternity. And so church, listen, until he comes, follow Christ. Follow him with your life. It will require some sacrifice. It will require you to sacrifice time, talents, and treasures. It will require you to have some sacrifice, but until he comes, follow him. And until he comes, listen, ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to make it possible for you not to mind the things of this earth and to focus on eternity. Because let me tell you, if you get to heaven and you live your life for the things of this earth, you will regret it. You will regret it. Live your life as a citizen of heaven until he comes. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.